and hello. Welcome to another episode of the Misfit Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Jacob Dupree, a.k.a. The Commissioner. And uh, with me is my always very special friend, Jance. Jance, how are you doing tonight, amigo? Good. Just got back from vacation. And the funny thing is, whenever you have kids on vacation, you need a vacation from vacation. <laughs> it's not so actual I'm, vacation. It's more like I'm work on the tired, go. Unfortunately, which is the opposite of what your vacation is supposed to be. But it was good. I would apologize, but I'm I'm not. Um, but week four of the NFL came and went, and it feels trippy that it's already week five. Uh, how are you doing in your fantasy leagues, by the way? Like, are your tanks going well, and are your you know ones you're pushing doing well, or is it just kind of whatever? Well, if if last week was good, if you can remember, as good as last week was, that's how bad this week was for me. <laughs> so, fancy God saw it fit to even the score, and they did with haste. Yeah, they flipped uh, you the bird. They did so. Uh, not great. It, my problem is, I think I have good teams besides uh, our OG league. Where I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not that's, trying that's to on lose, purpose. but I'm not I'm not trying to win. Wink, wink. <laughs> but um, uh, we have a couple super flex leagues, and I've suffered some injuries. And if you don't have a quarterback in super flex leagues, you're just you're a bad spot. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> so hey, that's my problem. This is why we always said in the offseason stuff, when it comes to super flex and two quarterback leagues, it's important to have three. Yes, three quarterbacks on your roster. But unfortunately, now it's one of those worlds where my Empire League team needed like seven quarterbacks because it's it's not good. But I digress. Um, yes, we did have a couple of injuries happen over the week. I mean, with two of still being out, Teddy Bridgewater is going to start. NBD, we know what's happened there. There's not really a timetable for two just yet. I would just kind of keep your ear to the ground and see what happens. It could be anywhere, honestly, from next week to six weeks from now. You just don't know when it comes to concussions. Um, and then also um, a couple guys who missed practice today, like Dawson Knox. He was a DNP. Zach Wilson was limited. Um, but then the, I think the big one is obviously Jonathan Taylor. He was officially ruled out for the Thursday night game. Um, are you interested in starting – like, I'm just going to run it down because I'm pretty sure, like, so there's Naeem Hines, Deion Jackson, Melvin Gordon, or Mike Boone. Or do you have any interest in any of those guys to replace Jonathan Taylor with, or is it just kind of a whoever I have on the bench is going to slip on up next? Yeah, no, I have. I think there's a lot of interest here for your replacements. Naeem Hines, um, I, I have a hard time believing they're going to give him the bulk of the carries. He's just not that guy. Mm-hmm. But his usage rate has got to go up. Um so I would, I would like to use him as a low win RB too. I think he can get you that. Um, and I really like Melvin Gordon this week. Uh, I would pump the brakes a little bit. I think there's, there's two ways to look at this. Um, the first is, you know, whether it was going to be Javante or Melvin, we just wanted one of them to win that job. Mm-hmm. We assumed it would be Javante. Um, so I think Melvin's going to get full workload here. Uh, I don't think Mike Boone's going to come and, and take too much from him, but I do think there's a measure of, waiting to see what happens here um for instance i have melvin gordon um in a league and i'm having to decide between him Najee harris jeff wilson clyde edwards lair they're all kind of in the same spot for me this week which is going to be your mid to low end rv2 i think long term this season once they get established i think he can really be that higher end rb2 low end rb1 on some weeks 
Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of options here to replace Jonathan Taylor. You don't ever want to have to do that. No, God bless no. him. But you've got a few options here. But I will be. I will say that I am thankful that they declared him out because if he was going to play, you would have to play him, even if you knew he was getting like twenty percent of the carries. You would still have to play him. You could not yeah. avoid that. Um, I will say for the rest of the season long thing, something that was interesting that happened to borrow Taylor's word is um, the Broncos hijacked Latavius Murray from the Saints practice squad who looked good in the Saints previous game against the Vikings in London. Um, And with Melvin Gordon, Gordon having, I think it's like four fumbles and four games or something like that. Five fumbles and four games. We thought Antonio Gibson had a problem. Melvin Gordon said, hold my beer. Um, yep. I think that is something to watch because if that does become an issue, I do think he will fade into the ether because head coaches don't like it when that happened. Once again, ask Antonio Gibson, who might be the starting water boy for the commanders with Brian Robinson working his way back from uh, his injury. And so the big one, yes, I know we didn't talk about it Tuesday, but that's okay because it wasn't confirmed just yet, but Javante Williams tore his ACL and as the aforementioned Melvin Gordon, Mike Boone, Latavius Murray, the question is for Latavius, what does this do to his dynasty value? Because all the conversation that we've had around or that we've heard around his knee injury was that it's very similar to the J.K. Dobbins injury. And J.K. Dobbins right. happened in training camp, and he's just now starting to get like a full workload. Right. So if you look at it on the calendar, if you go like a year and three months or a year and a month, you're into – November in your fantasy leagues, Javante would be, you know, I think he'd be a 23 year old running back going into a contract year. The next year is how much of a hit does this do to his dynasty value? And yes, this is a selfish question because I do have him in a couple of places. Honestly, I think this is, this is pretty bad for him um, beyond the, the injury. Uh, why I say this is you have to look at it in this manner. So this, this season's obviously gone. But with the manner of injury and the time and place he's had it, he's going to miss probably the first half of next year. And then when they bring him back, they're going to bring him back slowly, and we don't Mm -hmm. know what his performance is going to be, perhaps similar to a J.K. Dobbins. You just don't know with these kind of things. Let's say they keep Melvin Gordon. He's still productive. If Melvin Gordon is productive next year in the first half, he's doing well, what reason would the Broncos have to at all bring Javante back quickly? And even once he's back, shove him right into, you know, a large workload, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So um, you're looking at these next two years of diminished value, certainly. And then, like you mentioned, he's come up on a contract re- year after that. So in, re- in reality, in my opinion, you're looking at 2024 before we get back to the opportunity to say, hey, can Javante be the guy? Mm-hmm. The problem we have is we have no idea what the Broncos are going to look like in two years. And at best case scenario, we are going to be right back where we were beginning of this year to where we see the talent, we see the ability, and then we're relying on hope saying, hey, we hope he's the guy again, and we hope he's got the opportunity to be the guy. We just don't know. Um, I had, uh, in looking through my Twitter earlier, I had seen some takes from Heath Cummings for any of you that listen to uh, CBS Fantasy Football. I love Heath Cummings. He's like my spirit animal in the fantasy football world. And I, I had to agree with him, but he said even in a dynasty value that he has Javante RB20-ish mm-hmm. in dynasty, which is hard to hear. But I think it's I think it's about where you have to have him because, I mean, in, like we mentioned, these these next two years are, are going to be tough for him. So you've got to have a lot of patience concerning him. I'm not saying you punt. Maybe if somebody comes to you and, say, and they're not 
said they're not swayed at all. And they've got a lot of patience. I'm like, hey, I'll give you I'll give you top twelve running back value for Javante. Sell immediately if I'm mm-hmm. oh yeah. I don't think anybody's gonna do that to you. Oh, a but, billion percent. But I think that's where you have to we were me and you had these discussions before the draft comparing Brees Hall, Javante. He was around that RB five to seven dynasty value. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think you've got to realistically look at him from RB15 to RB20 with hope that maybe he can get back here in a couple of years, but um, a lot of diminished value for him, unfortunately. And I feel like most of it stems from the fact of when when the injury happened. Like if this happens right. in the offseason, whatever. We'll catch you in 2023. You'll drop a little bit, probably still top 10 guy though. But because right. we're arguably looking at probably two years in the future before we see him as an actual fully healthy, fully confident running back. Cause another thing we forget is, you know, he's still a man. He's still a dude who's going to have to regain confidence that his leg can make those explosive motions and that his body can still even produce the same amount of force whenever he's calling upon those ligaments to hold strong. Um, and so it's kind of one of those things, like you said, you, you have to drop him super low because of the fact that it's two years and something that uh, I believe once again, as Heath Cummings brought up, it's like in dynasty, what happens if next year they draft a running back? It's very right. possible because Melvin Gordon's 29 or 30. Latavius Murray's not going to stick around. Mike Boone's worse than just a guy. They're going to go into the year with a 30, 31-year-old running back in Melvin Gordon and nothing behind him. No, they're going to bring people in. And the, and the problem here, and I know that, that we and I specifically have been a proponent for patience in the context of Dynasty. That And a lot of these players, you're looking at sometimes they were from five to 12-year careers. Um, so it's good to take patience. But when it comes to running back, it's the shortest of all of yeah. them as far as lifespans. And even if you believe Javante's in that RB15 to RB10, if he's anywhere close to somebody else as far as just straight value, in your opinion, who would you rather have? The guy that's RB18 to Javante's RB13, but you're going to have him for a year and a half? He's going to be years? actually playing? He's going to be yeah, on he's gonna the actually field? playing? I mean, that matters. To have, somebody, to, to, to have to wait for somebody to 2024 before you can use him, that's – no small thing. So I'll, I'm going to ask some, some questions, just some brass tacks. We're going to stick with the running back position. Ask them, would you trade them straight up right now? Would you do Javante Williams for J.K. Dobbins right now? Straight up. Absolutely. Would you do Javante Williams for James Robinson? Straight up. Yeah, I think I would. I'll keep scrolling. Uh, we'll say Javante for Miles Sanders. That's probably where I draw my line. How dare you, <laughs> sir? It's no, not just because of our, our bet, right? Clearly. No, that's, that's no the and I like Miles Sanders. His value is going up this year. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Yeah, the running um, back nine on the year. Who said that? <laughs> uh, but no, that's about uh, – to me, I've still got Miles Sanders probably just outside my RB20-ish in Dynasty. Like we mentioned, that's where Javante's at. So even with the years uh, – that's probably about where I draw it. Sorry, he's the running back six. Cram it in your crammer. It was raining. I don't give a dang. The stat is there. <laughs> um, but it's just kind of one of those things of like, it's just, it's disheartening. And if you're a Javante manager, yeah, you start like, I'm going to start floating this trade that I will let you know right now because I would rather have something, an asset that can either appreciate or yes, depreciate over the next year and a half. Versus something that's stagnant, which is just going to get worse and worse and worse. Do I still think he's an amazing talent? Yes. But I'm not going to see it for probably a full calendar year, maybe a little bit longer, just depending on the mode of injury and stuff like that. I hope he comes back and is great. 
Well, and here's the deal. I'm, I know we got to get moving to some other things, but if you're a team in the dynasty context, which is obviously what we focus on here, if you're somebody that's going nowhere right now, your team, you know, oh. you're in a re, you're in a rebuild, oh, and you're just looking to acquire assets for the future that you think have opportunity. Javante's the guy. Yep. Float out, you know, your decent running back or whatever. Your second, your mid second round value, maybe even high second round value, and get him on your roster. Put him in your higher spot and just ride it out for a year and a half mm-hmm. while you're rebuilding. And just see what happens when he comes back and see if he's the guy. If he does, you hit a home run. If not, you didn't have to lose a whole lot of value and you weren't winning anyway. And that is the perfect thing to do. And that just just it's smart. It's fundamentally good for your rebuilding roster. And it doesn't just go for Javante. It goes to search other people's IRs. If you know this year's going nowhere fast, yeah, start floating out like, hey, I'll give you this guy who's playing for this guy who's not playing and see what happens. Because everything changes just 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 a little bit. Um, but speaking of trades, we got a request sent into us um, to kind of establish how you and I go about the thought process of a dynasty trade. So do you have any sets, rhyme, reason, or mode whenever you just go from the onset? It's like, hey, I want two trades. Like right now, we'll just put you in my shoes and we'll just talk this through. Like I have Javante Williams on roster. That's uh, it's in stranger danger where I'm. Because of that injury, I'm probably floating middle-ish of the pack towards still the top end-ish of the pack. Um, what do you do with Javante, like, if you're in this situation? Well, I think it depends on what you want to do. So, let's say you think your roster is good enough that you can still keep going. Then you go and try and find the team that we just talked about that's going nowhere, that wants to try and capitalize on what he could be in a couple of years and see if you can get some good value back to keep your team afloat. If you're not, and you decide you have to punt, then you basically do with him what we just decided, which is where you put him on your IR and you just wait it out. When it comes to dynasty trades for me, the one guy I don't want to be, and you you and I have experienced this, Mm -hmm. is the guy that just sends terrible trades and seems to have no idea of what value really means here. And what I mean by that is – you've got to be realistic with the trades that you're making and assume that the guy you're trading with is not an idiot. <laughs> Generally speaking, <laughs> the best way to go about this. And, and the best thing you can do is try and find, try and find trades that benefit both parties. Now there are times and you and I have had this where we don't see eye to eye on a player. And perhaps you can make a trade work in that way to where we're just swapping players because you think he's one way. I think mm-hmm. he's another. That's a perfect trade opportunity. The other way to go about this. And this is what I do when I'm looking for guys to trades is to literally go to your trade tab and just look at rosters. And if I'm trying, if I have a running back that I want to trade away, I'm looking for somebody who's in need of running back depth or otherwise. And so you just go through your entire rosters and try and pick out the one guy in your opinion, you think needs some running back help. Say you have a surplus and then you try and make it work that way. And that's generally the best way that I find it is to try and find trades as best you can that you think are actually beneficial for both parties try to trade a running back to somebody that needs it he gives you a wide receiver because you're low wide receiver depth it could help both parties in that way now you can't always make that work obviously um but generally speaking that's the way i try to go about it is try and trade opposing positions because you're going to find guys that are strong where you're weak and other teams that are weak where you happen to be strong in your roster and you're trying to make it even in that way yeah, and I, th- I think the thing that you said that I do the most is 
I look at my look at the rest of the league's roster to see what they need because, um, like for instance, like this is this is the reason why in our OG league, I can almost give you the top five or six players of value on every single team just off of how many times I've opened the app to look for a trade and I see like okay these six guys or these four guys from this roster. Um, knowing your league mates roster, yes, it's kind of tedious, but I'm not sitting there. You have to have like flashcards and go back to college or high school, try to remember them, but it helps to kind of have that baseline to know where teams are at because even like in, you know, the OG situation, I'm trying to kind of not, not intentionally lose games, but like you said, I'm not trying to necessarily win them at this point. I find someone who is trying to actively win them. So that way, I can get the young guy who I think has a chance next year or like a high draft pick from the following year to make that work. Um, the biggest thing I think that I'm trying to get better at is um, I think I would help everybody is give feedback on a trade, like genuine, honest feedback. Like you don't have to be a jerk about something. You don't have to be mean. You literally can just be like, Hey, I don't like it. I don't, it's not enough value. I think it's bad. Cool. Kosher. No problem. Because then that adjusts like my valuation of where everything's at. So that means, okay, if I approach them, I need to either jump up a tier or just wait and just not go to them with that trade. Right. And one other thing that's important here, especially with Dynasty trades, for anybody that's listening that's new to Dynasty, very important part. Good luck. There are so many people that assume that because you keep adding players, even if they're low value, that it keeps making the number go up. So what I mean by that, the basic rule of trades – in the vast majority of cases, is you always want to get the best guy. Okay, if you're if you're training two for one, mm-hmm. three for two, ideally you still want to get the best player available in the trade. What annoys me to no end, and this is not a fault of anybody assuming trades, because I believe obviously most of our our uh, I agree. Most of our leagues that we play in, I applaud you guys because we're are, at, it's not uh, bad. <laughs> being honest in their trades, you'll have right, right. You'll have a stud player. You'll have a stud player on your team and somebody's trying to acquire them, and they'll send you four guys that are all low value. Maybe they send you a, a late second-round pick. They send you somebody that's like RB30 in dynasty value, and they just assume that, hey, if I just stack on enough crap players, their total value will equal this one guy. In reality, you and I know that's not the case. And the reason for that is because we have limited roster space. Mm-hmm. So let's say I get a three-for-one trade, and I take on three players, and I trade away one, I didn't get three players because I have to cut two players to make space for that. So in reality, your trade wasn't three for one. It's a three for three and the two guys you just cut. And so that's what's important here is whenever you're sending trades to somebody, it's important to understand that just because you're sending two and he has one, it's not as simple as a two for one. You have to keep in mind they have to cut somebody to replenish that. And whoever has the best player is always going to have a multiplier mm-hmm. on top of that as far as value. Go to anything like keep, keep trade cut, cut yeah. or anything similar to that. Does this in a perfect way to where it has a value adjustment based on the fact of you add so-and-so players on, et cetera, and it gives you the difference on that. Yeah. So and, just two cents on my part. And once, like, no, like, and once again, like, I like that because you can even approach a trade. Like if you're sending the two players for the one, you can just be like, okay, who's the guy that you would drop? Because if it's a guy that you have mild interest in, like if you're going to already drop him, add him to the trade and I'll just take him. It's one less step you have to do and it's just, it's done. And it's also a way that you can kind of sneak players into a deal. Because if like, for instance, like you and I, if we were making some blockbuster deal or whatever, and I knew you didn't like Miles Sanders and for some God awful reason, you had to, like he was the lowest guy on your bench and you're going to drop him. 
Instead of letting him hit waivers and have the chance of someone else acquiring him, I would just be like, hey, who are you going to cut? Are you going to cut Miles? You can just throw him in, and that way, like, you can just add it in. It's it's even. It's done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, Right. And I think kind of the last thing we can both agree on is dynasty trades are fickle. They do whatever they want to do. They can look horrible in the moment, but in the long run, they could be amazing. And I will always point back at the trade where I was up in arms. I was pissed off. I was upset. Like, how could you do that? It was Odell Beckham trade in 2018. So it was the year after he tore his ACL with the Giants. And he was having a good year. Odell was traded for – so the guy received Odell Beckham in a 2019 second-round pick. I'll have to look who that became. Um, for Manuel Sanders, TJ Yeldon, and then two first-round 2019 picks. Those two first-round 2019 became DK Metcalf, Josh Jacobs. Yep. Josh Jacobs, even though he hasn't been like an RB1 or like an RB1 perceived talent because he has finished as an RB1, knockout home run pick. The other pick, DK Metcalf, knockout home run pick. But I remember in that moment, I was so upset. I'm like, he's the wide receiver. He's the player one in dynasty value. How could you do that? That's so dumb. You can't do that. Look what happened. Right. Well, and that's the other important part is, is everybody's going to have different values for different players, different draft picks. So something like a keep trade cut is a great thing and a great tool to have because it gives you point of reference for values of, of players that you see. That doesn't mean the person you're trading is going to have that exact same value. So even if you send a trade package to somebody that on an objective or independent source shows that it's very fair, or even above value, and then you send it to somebody and they still decline it because in their opinion it's not enough, there's no point in sitting there and being frustrated and having long discourse over why won't you accept my trade. Mm-hmm. They have a different value, they have a different value. That's yep. fine. Go find somebody else that might accept that trade because <laughs> yeah. you've got 11 other opportunities, or 10 I should say in this context, in most leagues here. Um, and so if, from that perspective, even though you might not like it, respect other people's values, mm-hmm. But the fact we may think we know how these players are going to play out. Rarely is that ever the case, it seems like. We never know. By the way, the 209 was J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. So, see how that oh. deal turned out. Um, I was all in on I'm, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I, I remember the J.J. love coming from you. No shame. We all get them wrong sometimes. <laughs> so, real quick, with the last remaining time in the first half, and we're going to jump into some dynasty trade values of players that so far, through the first four weeks, they've either fluctuated up or down. Um, we'll start off with Terry McLaurin from Washington. Um, we went talking into the season. You and I love Jahan Dotson. We didn't think Curtis Samuel was going to be a thing, but he is a thing. And all we've seen yep. from Terry McLaurin is nothing good. Uh, I believe right now, as I quickly try to pull him up, right now in, in, in PPR leagues, he's wide receiver 41. He's 27, but this is only his third year in the league. Um, I was listening to the fantasy footballers today and it kind of swayed me, but like, I don't know if there's much of a future. Like, yeah, he's talented, but on his own roster, because he just got a contract next year, he could be behind Jahan Dotson. This team loves Curtis Samuel, Carson Wentz, as much as some people hate him or love him. He's meh at best right now. Like, I just like, what do you do with him? Do you keep him? Do you trade for him? Or do you just sell all you can? The problem you have with Terry McLaurin is I think the cat is out of the bag concerning him that everybody can see what is happening here in Washington and you're probably going to get the value that you perhaps once would have had. So how I view him and I have him in a couple of leagues, at least one, he's really matchup dependent at this moment. I think Terry McLaurin still has a lot of talent. I think he's a regular football player. 
But the problem he has is there are a lot of mouths to feed in this Washington offense, and yet it's not a great offense. And that's the problem mm-hmm. is, as you mentioned, you've got John Dodson, who's an ascending player. You've got Curtis Samuel. You've got pass catching, pass catching running backs. And you have a quarterback that at best right now seems to be very inconsistent. So the volume is not consistent. So, for instance, I really, really like him this week against Tennessee because their pass defense has been terrible. Yeah. I think there's opportunity to exploit it and to get some value for Terry McCorn as far as just on a week-to-week basis as far as this. But it's going to be very easy to sit him whenever they play, you know, good secondaries. Um, Dallas was an easy sit for me regarding him because you could see how that one was going to play out. And so from a dynasty perspective, I think he really falls into that low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three spot because he's a player with talent. If you told me tomorrow that he got out of Washington and got to a place that was wide receiver needy, like a Green Bay or something, then I think his value would go up quite a bit, substantially even. But we don't have any indication that's going to happen. Um, and he's 27 years old. If you would have just told me to vacuum the Terry McCormick's 27 years old, I would have been surprised. Mm-hmm. He's only been in the league for three years. Yep. It's his fourth year here. He took the Michael Thomas route to where you're really old whenever you're already in the NFL. Yeah. So he, in reality, he's probably got three to four more productive years left. Most and that's of which if he's probably like an elite player. Right. Most of which are probably going to be played in Washington. Now, best case scenario that's realistic, let's say Washington sucks this year. They tank it. They get a C.J. Stroud or something of that caliber. Maybe your fortunes turn for him, but even then, I don't think I don't think it's going to be significant. So, I'll let you know from a contract perspective, they can't outright cut him. Uh, next year's dead cap is twenty-seven and a half mil. The year following is sixteen point eight, and the year following that's eleven point two. He's going to be a Redskin through or a Redskin, sorry, a Commander, which is gross to say, through his twenty twenty-five year. Well, that's the problem we haven't spoken about. Remember, he was one of the holdouts this offseason looking for a new contract. He got it. Good for him. Get your bag, fella. Get your money, bro. But fantasy perspective, you're kind of getting into a bad spot here. So he's got good value. Play him on the matchups. Once again, like we always say, somebody's got a different opinion on Terry McLaurin. He wants to back up the Brinks truck. Send him out. Good on you. But he's probably fringe top 20 receiver in Dynasty right now. Would you do Terry McLaurin for a mid-two? Of the, of the 2023 draft? It would depend on my situation. In, and a, what I mean in a nutshell, that, we'll just say like right, you're a right, straight right. vacuum. Probably not simply because I know what Terry McCorin is. At least I know that I'm going to have some production from him in some weeks, and I like that measure of security. Now, if you change it to a high-end wide receiver too, probably not a question. Or high I'm making two. that happen. Yeah, yeah sorry, high-end too. I'm making that happen. But mid, he's just productive enough, and we know what he is. I'd probably hold him just for the sake of that. Um, we're, we'll skip to, let's go with Najee Harris. Um, I know you and I, like we've talked about him last week. We're just uncertain with where he is at as a player. And just like with that team and what's happening, it just, it feels like, cause he's another guy who came in the league older. He's already 24, just his second year in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you do? Like right now, um, keep your cut has him as running back seven running back or player number 26 overall. But what we've seen this year is without those like, ridiculous amount of receptions he's just a guy because that offensive line can't produce anything like last week i don't even think he got a target right well and it, this is a difficult part for, uh, difficult part <laughs> we've all been there my friend and this <laughs> it seemed that way for him here's the deal 
is that he's got so much going on for him in positive. What I mean by that is there are so few running backs in this league that you can find that get everything. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is he gets volume touches, which matters, but he gets the important touches. So he's getting goal line carries. He's getting receptions. He's getting between the 20s. He gets everything. Problem is, is this offense has been so anemic that it's going nowhere. So he's not getting touchdown opportunities. And like you mentioned, they're not passing the ball in the backfield as much, which coming into this year, that wasn't Mitch Trubisky's thing. He didn't pass the running back in Chicago. So. Which we talked about in the offseason, by the way. So yeah. if you're listening and smart, you traded him away. Now, you may get a breath of life here from the standpoint of with Kenny Pickett, he is a wild card. We don't know exactly what his tendencies may be in the league. So maybe he does some more dump-offs. The one thing you've got to be hoping for if you're a Najee Harris manager is you need this offense to get vertical. You need them to begin stretching the field, taking chances, taking opportunities. Because as of right now, if you're a defense playing Pittsburgh, what reason do you have to not put eight men in the box? And this isn't strictly a Pittsburgh problem. Let's be real. You and I have seen him. Mm -hmm. Najee has not looked great with touches he's getting. So this is not just an opportunity problem, or I should say team problem. Um, so for all those things combined, it's very difficult to justify his value. I don't think he is an RB6 or 7 where he started. I think he's probably fringe RB10 for the reasons we talked about. That He's got the opportunity. If this offense can get going, I think there's promise there. But we have to be alarmed from the standpoint of he doesn't quite look like at this moment what the Steelers drafted him to be with the first running back in the draft. Um, it's not to say he can't be there. It's not, saying, not to say that things can't change. But I don't think you need to panic and punt on him completely. But I but think – If someone sends to, you a sweet offer, you need to listen. Yeah, and I'm dealing with a, with an offer like that right now that you and I discussed to mm-hmm. where the trade would be for moderately to significantly less value than what it was four weeks ago. Yep. And that's tough to do. And for that reason, I'm probably not going to just because you want to see what happens here. It, there but comes a point where whenever you have a play on your roster, you just shrug your shoulders and say, how much worse can it actually get? Let's see what happens. Right. Um, and so I, if it were me in a nutshell, I know we got to we gotta move on, is I would I'd probably hold him. Let's see what happens with Kenny Pickett here. If we get another three or four weeks in the season and absolutely nothing changes and he just keeps spitting out nine to 11-point games in PPR leagues, then – I think you can have all the panic you want because mm-hmm. there's not much hope after that. Yeah. And uh, just especially like for redraft leagues, here's his next. Uh, I'll give you his next, honestly, his next six matchups um, at Buffalo, home against Tampa Bay, at Miami, at Philadelphia, by week, then a home game against New Orleans and a home game against uh, Cincinnati. And I'll even throw in at Indianapolis. And if Shaq Leonard comes back, that's a good rush defense. So, I mean, you're looking at weeks five through 12 of him possibly being either average at best or below average. So in redraft, I think you can target him probably after his week seven game against Miami to try to sweep the leg and get him to your roster for once again, the what ifs and let's see what happens is um, thanks for sticking around for the first half. We'll BRB here in a couple of seconds. We're going to talk about the week five previews. That still sounds weird to talk about, including a fix of flex because you know, I'm going to have to fix that. Um, but once again, like reach up, Tap, tap. We'll catch you guys in a couple. We back. Week five. It's about to kick off tonight where the um, interestingly 
now it's like the in, Indianapolis is playing Denver. Uh, it's before season started. Before season started, if you saw Indianapolis, Denver, Thursday night football, week five, you would have been stoked, excited. And I'm still excited because we just enjoy football in general. Uh, but this matchup is so nasty. It's much nastier than what it <laughs> was supposed to be. I hate it. Um, so right now the over-under is at 42. Denver's a three-point favorite. I honestly think this game's going to hit the over because I really think there's going to be so much passing in this game because I don't think either team's going to be able to run the ball worth a dang. Um, so whenever it comes to playing people, like I really feel like, you know, Naeem Hines is probably going to get the majority of the work, especially the receptions. Um, Michael Pittman, are you scared of Pat Sertan l- lurking around on the other side of the field? or? Oh, I'm- I'm certainly concerned for him, but the problem is with where Michael Pittman, where you drafted him to be, and what he can be, I'd love to see your roster if you're sitting him. So I don't think it's a question. You just start him and you just pray to the gods. (laughs) It goes well for you. I think Alec Pierce could be a halfway decent uh, just desperation flex because the ball's going to go somewhere. Look good. That's right. Third-round pick and OG Alec Pierce to your boy over here. Um, even though the tight ends for Indianapolis have had their shining moments, I wouldn't, I would stay away from them. Um, would you start either defense in this game? Cause Russell Wilson, he looked good last week, but before that, no, Matt Ryan, uh, eh. you could do, you could do a lot worse than Denver. I mean, the one thing is, is key to see here that Indianapolis offensive line is not what it's been in previous years. True. And Matt Ryan has been a fumble machine. So, they're going to get some pass rush. <laughs> it seems like if anybody could touch this man, the ball is going to come out of his hand. So um, I would see Denver as a top 10-ish defense, in my opinion. He's doing his best Daniel Jones impersonation. And, and it's in Denver, which which matters. Yep. I mean, that is a good home field advantage. Um, once again, we're traveling overseas to a London game where the Giants, quote-unquote away team Giants, are playing the quote-unquote home team Green Bay Packers. Uh, currently, the Packers are eight-point favorites with the over-under being 41 points. Jance, is there anything from this game you want to particularly bring up or point out, or is it basically for the Giants, you play Saquon. For the Packers, you can pretty much play almost whoever you want. I, I think I think Alan Lazard is a thing. Um, Hold on. Both of these teams are three and one. What in the actual? And the thing is, my – a tendency to say is that it's a one of these teams is not like the other, but, <laughs> but Green Bay had a really tough time against a third string quarterback in New England. Yes, overtime. So, but I think Alan Lazard is a thing. I've been saying it for quite a while that we knew he was going to be the touchdown guy because he has Aaron Rodgers trust comes out with six for one sixteen last week. I'm not saying you should expect that every week, but make no mistake. He's the guy of this offense. If he stays healthy, he's going to produce wide receiver three to wide receiver two numbers. And compared to where you drafted him, That's being back in like round 10 in redraft, he's going to he's gonna blow away his initial value. I, I will definitely say that. I w- yes, you can still play Romeo Dobbs as a flex. I, def- I would lean that this is probably going to be an A.J. Dillon week just because of I think what this game flow is going to look like. I feel like the Packers are going to get up pretty quick. And I feel like they're gonna just gonna hang out there, and that just screams AJ Dillon because my God, that man's quads can eat about three other people. Well, and this Giants rush defense is really bad. Squishy. So start both Packers running backs. And that, that, that's about it. Make sure you wake up. You know, you set your alarm because if you have a player who's questionable, like Alvin Kamara, I will be ruthless as your commissioner and say, "Sorry about you, homie. You can go back to sleep after you set an alarm." 
Don't don't start him, obviously, but watch Wandale Robinson this week. He's yes. probably going to come back. There's nobody left to throw the ball to. Had a really good preseason, a really good college player. Keep an eye out for him and see what happens. He might be a bench stash in redraft leagues if you can find him, just because someone from this team will have to catch passes and provide yardage. Uh, emphasis on someone. Uh, we'll move on to where the one and three Steelers, oof, worse record than the New York short people. That How did they beat the Bengals? How did this happen? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I give up. I blame Zach Taylor, as a matter of fact. Um, but the Pittsburgh Steelers going to the Buffalo Bills. Um, right now, the over-under is 46.5 with the Buffalo Bills. Oh, my God, it's 14-point favorites. Good luck, Kenny Pickett. You get to play the Bills <laughs> in your first start. No, just the schedule I read off for Najee. Same thing with Kenny Pickett. Buffalo, Tampa, Philly, Miami, New Orleans, Cincinnati. That's a rough start for Kenny Pickett. That's why I thought they weren't going to throw him to the Wolves, but they said, Merry Christmas. Go Orchard pro. Park's not the place you want to make your first start in this day and age. Not right now. No, siree. That's where you – that's where good things go to die. Dream's going to die. Um, Kenny Pickett in two quarterback leagues, asking for a friend who is me – do you start him or try to run away as fast as you possibly can? Because I will say that there are still back-end injuries to the secondary of the Bills. Well, and here's the thing. And they're going to be down by a lot. From, a, from an NFL perspective and a team perspective, this is bad. It's bad for him. It's bad for this team. None of which necessarily his fault. From a fantasy perspective, I think there's still value to be had here because they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to have to fling it. And hopefully, unlike Trubisky, he just says – no, forget it. We're just going to fling this thing down. George is down throw, there somewhere. Yeah, if I throw four, if he throws, let's say he throws two touchdowns for 280 and four interceptions, like it's not great, but you can Progress. live with that. He runs a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you can live with something like that. I, I would say if you can get away, but if you can't, like me, pray to God that the miracle happens. Um, hey, who scores more fantasy points this week, Najee Harris or Devin Singletary? <laughs> just I- asking. Because Devin Singletary technically is averaging more points per game than Najee Harris. Well, and he's starting to get more touches here. I mean, we keep thinking that James Cook's going to be a thing, and he got one snap last week. Yep. So, I mean, this is this is turning into the Devin Singletary show. Um, still think Najee, but it's not by a lot, which hurts <laughs> me to say. That's just reality. Uh, it, it'd be what it be. Um, do you have a favorite receiver from this game that's on Pittsburgh? Like, would you rather start Deontay Johnson or George Pickens? Or I'll I'm, throw in Isaiah McKenzie because I'm, I'm looking into the George Pickens ascension, but I'm not there yet. So take Deont- Deontay in this game, but keep a close eye on George. We've, we've been saying it. Mm-hmm. Hold on to your rookies. <laughs> we drafted them for a reason. It's a long season. Maybe we're beginning to see the ascension of George Pickens, and we're seeing the departure of george of uh, george of chase claypool for life <laughs> yeah chase claypool can go away by the way i'm sorry i lied Najee harris is beating devin single pateri by 0.1 points per game oh, but yet man. one was drafted in the first round and one was drafted in like the 12th round after thought uh moving <laughs> moving straight on to the by the way i think um probably you start pat, pat fryman still as a tight end he's got he's gonna be the quarterback safety blanket um moving to the los angeles chargers traveling to the cleveland browns um Right now, the over-under is 47-and-a-half, and the Chargers are two-and-a-half-point road favorites. That seems about right. I, so this game feels like it should be a runaway for the Chargers, but I feel like the Chargers may just charger, which sucks. The Chargers are having happened to them what happens every year. Bunch of injuries. They're missing two of their best defensive players. They're missing one of the best offensive linemen. Yeah. 
not good. And those this deep this defense without without those two players is showing to be mediocre at best. I mean, in reality, it's not a great defense right now. So I playing at home, I think there's some value to be had here for your Cleveland players. So I mean, obviously you're gonna start Chubb, 100%. but Amari Cooper, I'm starting him. Uh Njoku, how can you get away from him? He's honestly in OG, he's starting in my flex right now. I'm not even gonna lie with you. He's been in Fuego recently. Um, I, I keep watching the Keenan Allen situation. He was didn't he didn't practice uh, to, on Wednesday. Um, if he does not go, you got to start Josh Palmer. I know last week was a dud, but he went out um, with an injury for a good portion of the game. He did have one catch for 25 yards. And historically, when Keenan Allen does not play, Josh Palmer is the dude. Um, yep. Basically, on, this feels weird, but I feel like you can start pretty much any player you have in this game that you would like. Mike Williams, um, Josh Palmer. Gerald Everett, Njoku, Cooper, even Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, like they're good. There's going to be value because I feel like points are going to be scored this game, and I feel like it's going to hit the over. I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me, but Gerald Everett's got to be top five-ish tight end on the season. I mean, he has just been as solid I as can be. I think he is, which frustrates me because every time Austin Hicks freaking, we think we find a weak spot. Uh, the Lord says, "I say thee nay." Gerald Everett is tight end five on the year, right on the nose. That a boy for you. That's that's just it's gross. I hate the guy, freaking <laughs> jerk. God. Moving on to the 3 and one Houston Texans traveling to Jacksonville. Now the Texans are scrappy. I feel like they're kind of the Lions from last year. They have been in games more than they should have, but yet they just haven't been able to uh, complete the old job. Um, who do you think has more fantasy points this game between the starting running backs between Damian Pierce, James Robinson, and Travis Etienne? Man, it's a lot closer than you would have thought a couple <laughs> weeks ago, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Damian Pierce is really coming on from the standpoint of he's he's getting the touches. I know he had, what, a 72-yard touchdown run. Yep. So, I mean, you're not going to bank on that every week. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at these stats. I had not seen this. This is icky. This is bad. He had six targets, six catches. You want to guess how many? You want to guess how many <laughs> yards he eight, had? Eight yards. Eight, how do you have eight yards on six <laughs> catches? That's a lot of Davis Mills going. Holy crap! There's a guy in my face, Damian. Not good. But um, Jacksonville got ran all over mm-hmm. last week by Miles Sanders in the Eagles. Oh, my heart wants to tell me Damian Pierce, and I don't like it. But that's yeah. how I feel about this. Um, it, I think it's one of those situations that Damian Pierce is explosive. And no matter what we believe about Houston Texans, I feel like that offensive line is decent at run blocking. Yeah. Um, Cause even if you take that one rush for 70 something yards away, he still was 13 for 60. And that's a very good day at the office. Um, by the way, I skipped this part. The over under is 43 and a half in Jacksonville are seven point favorites right now. Um, is there a wide receiver from this game outside of Christian Kirk that you like have any modicum of, confidence with because Brandon Cooks yeah, is I, I still like Brandon you know, Cooks. Okay. I mean the targets are there. He's got 12, 10, 7, and 7. Mm. Those are good target numbers. Great, great day. Um so he's not going anywhere. They're not gonna quit throwing the ball. So please start Brandon Cooks. Zay Jones I think is a better flex option than Travis Etienne. How does that sit on your palate? Uh, it sits <laughs> like a lead rock, but it's <laughs> But that lead rock's just, going I down. Just, I just combined two. Th- that's how bad it is. Combined <laughs> lead and rocks. Travis but, Etienne's I mean, in- Go ahead. I mean, it, 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 it seems obvious. I mean, Etienne is not getting the work that we had expected. And at, right now, we don't have any reason to think it's going to change. I mean, we just don't. Uh, Travis Etienne's another guy. Like, real quick, how's his dynasty value right now? Because he's losing out to a guy who had an Achilles injury late last year. 
He doesn't even seem like he's the favorite for his own team. Um, Cause remember this is a new coaching staff that did not draft him in the first round, which the right. human dumpster fire who did is now an analyst for Fox big noon kickoff, which is a disgusting decision. In my Next Nebraska head coach. Anybody? <laughs> there Maybe. it is. There <laughs> it is. It, it's, it's difficult because he's just not getting the work. And so it's not really a Travis Etienne problem. When you look at the stats, um, He's clear that he's very he's clear that he's very explosive in two of his games. He's had really good yards per carry and his catches are he's having great yards per catch. He's just getting on the field. What, Ten touches a game at that. So I, mean, I think his, James Robinson coming back, he's performing much better than anybody anticipated. Yeah. Probably even more than Jacksonville anticipated. And they're struggling to find a way to get him carries because the problem is, for the most part, you most in most cases you're not gonna have both in the field. Mm-hmm. They have in some cases, but not a lot. And so somebody's not getting the rock, and James Robinson right now is the better of these two. And the and thing so is, for that is, reason, it's, his dynasty values it's taking a hit, but, I mean, the talent and the ability is still there. Do so. you float out a, a kind of a low ball-ish trade offer? Like, if you could get Travis Etienne for, we'll say, like, a second-round next pick in some middle-tier middle, middle tier running back, would you float no. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he's young enough, a lot of future ahead of him. That he's you got to believe he's going to get opportunity to be the guy for somebody, maybe even this team eventually. And the explosion is there to be that. Mm-hmm. I think he just, he, we think that's the thing, but the, I will just say that on to tack that on to anything. I, yeah. I will just say <laughs> that uh, Doug Peterson all offseason touted James Robinson and how much they love the guy and how much they want to get him involved. And this is just him being true to his word. So until something changes, Dougie P loves him some James Robinson. Uh, moving on to Chicago traveling to Minnesota. Right now, the over-under is 44 points. The um, spread is Minnesota as a touchdown favorites again. Hey, gents, um, over-under, Justin Fields passing yards, 125. Uh, Sounds like a joke, but it's serious. What was the number you gave me? I said 125. I'm going to say over because you got to believe they're going to be behind. In the... Here's the problem. Is the... <laughs> what about the other Chicago games? Chicago was 2-1 and one coming into last week. God. And somehow, some way, you know, this coaching staff had to feel justified. So we can run this rock and win these games. You can't. You cannot do it. You're going to have to throw the ball more, and you have to put it in the air, and you've got to hope that eventually they're going to figure this out for Justin Fields because they're not he's – get, he's, he's getting – 22 attempts last week was a lot for him. That was a lot. And something's got to change. Uh, I will say, plus, he lost probably his best offensive lineman, Cody Whitehair, who's on injured reserve. They don't think his season's over, but that bad offensive line just got worse. Is now in the Pittsburgh Steeler territory of crappiness. Um, I think he's with the Kenny Pickett. If you have to start him, best of luck to you. Just close your eyes and hope he rushes a touchdown in. Um, with the running backs, if David Montgomery is not cleared, Cleo Herbert, fire him up. Dalvin Cook is good to go. Alexander Madison's kind of sneaking into that Kareem Hunt-ish territory. I wouldn't do it. Yes. But – Give it a couple weeks, and if he keeps putting up, you know, eight to ten fantasy points, you could do worse at a flex spot. Once again, you cannot start any Chicago Bear pass catcher. Um, you're obviously starting Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen's good to go. Um, Irv Smith, I would say, run as fast as you can because the talent's there, but yet the play calling apparently is not. Um, going on to Detroit traveling to New England. Um, currently, the over-under is 45.5 points, which feels kind of high-ish to me, knowing that New England probably won't have Mac Jones and they might be starting Bailey Zappi. Um, New England is three-point favorites, which, once again, 
kind of surprises me. I think this is just insulting the Lions. Um, if DeAndre Swift does get the ability to play, do you play him? Uh, yeah, I think it, he's the type of player with his explosiveness. We've seen it in the past. It only takes one touch for him to make you a fantasy week. So if he's going to play, I think you've got to start him. But if he does play, I'm still starting Jamal, Jamal Williams. Williams. I mean, you have to. I, mean, I think Jamal Williams is honestly an every week flex play. Not even going to blink. Maybe even running back two for some rosters. And, and Jared Goff, man, it's amazing what has happened this year. Without having the stats in front of me, he's got to be, be top 12. He's got to be his best friend's top 12. five overall. Okay. Well, I was way off. So he's, <laughs> yeah. Well, that shows you how bad quarterback's been this year. That's also but, I mean, true. The way this offense is, with how bad that defense is, I don't think it's a I mean, fantasy he's not, he's not gonna, Yeah, he's not going to throw off, you know. 34 fantasy points like last week. But, I mean, this is a guy that could probably get you 20 on most weeks. 100%. Uh, do you have a favorite New England running back, or are you just starting them both until separation wow. occurs? Big Damian Harris fan this week. Now, you never know the touches. For him, it's been decent as far as carries 15, 11, and 18 his last couple of weeks. This Detroit, like we just we just talked about it, their defense as a whole is bad. Their rush defense is putrid. Mm-hmm. And with Mac Jones injured – Playing at home, you know exactly what New England's going to do. They're going to pound the rock, they're gonna pound the rock some more, and then when they're done pounding the rock, they're going to come back and they're going to pound it again. <laughs> so uh, I, start both running backs. 100%. Um, I would not start a pass catcher for New England this game just because we don't know. And even if Mac Jones is back, I think you are 100% correct. The probability lies with them running the ball 68 times this game. Um, if Amon Ross St. Brown plays, you play him. If Amon Ra does not play and DJ Shark does not play, Josh Reynolds, I think he's a smash play. You float him in your lineup and you're happy with life. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, while us Hawkinson managers can dream that that game can happen again, by the way, after that game, he is the tight end two in standard points. <laughs> um, uh, welcome to the tight end position. Um, but I would expect another good game of involvement coming from him. Um, moving straight on to Seattle going to New Orleans, I feel like this is a very sneaky game. Um, right now, the Seahawks are five and a half, or sorry, over under is 46, and the New Orleans Saints are five and a half point favorites. Um, if Jameis Winston plays, I think you play him. If he does not play, yeah. I think Andy Dalton is still a decent play because this new uh, Seattle secondary is how the uh, French people would say Garbaggio. <laughs> I know this isn't what we're here to discuss, but real quickly, how smart and how good does Seattle's front office have to look right oh, now? Oh, dude, they're setting their light in Cubans, taking small sips of whiskey about every four and a half <laughs> seconds. Like, man, that was great for me. It was great for you guys. Let's watch the, <laughs> Let's watch this trade go through again. Let's see it happen. And they're living the high life right now. I would have never – I mean, and, 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 I know last week was great. Mm. And it's not like Gino's first three weeks were just stellar. But, I mean, mm. he's – been good. He's been far better than I would have imagined. Well, it's like I think said, anybody would have played. Yeah, it's like we said in the last podcast. He's like the top top of the league in completion percentage. And it's not like he's just dinking and dunking. I mean, he threw for 300 plus yards last week. Um, he's top in the league with yards per attempt, which means he's throwing the ball downfield. He's looking freaking good. Um, I Rashad Penny, after his blow-up week, are you going to start him or not? Yeah, I mean, from the running back perspective, especially with the injuries we're dealing with, it is the time of year you're running out of running backs to get as many touches mm-hmm. as he does. So as long as that continues, I think you have to start him. Uh, Alvin Kamara, if he plays, yes, you play him, but I still do it with my eyes closed. I have zero confidence in him right now. Um, if he does not play Mark Ingram, you play him. But once again, 
I think Alvin Kamara is a dynasty player to avoid, to trade away. I've said this since the beginning of last year, even when he had a great season, I said, boy, get rid of this guy. He's not going to be pretty. Um, Who's your favorite wide receiver from this game? DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Mike Thomas, if he plays, or Chris Olave? I mean, Chris Olave, and that's not to say anything against DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, but if they're down Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, even just one of these guys, Olave's dot. It's just been so amazing. His air yardage has been fantastic. We just talked about it. This Seattle secondary is bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really bad. And so there's a lot of opportunity for him. Not to say I think DK and, and Lockett could be in line for some decent games. I, we want to see this matchup between, between Metcalf and Marshawn um, Marshawn because Marshawn tends to do better against big-body receivers. Oh. We've seen him with Mike, Mike Evans. Evans. He owns Mike Evans. But DK Metcalf only t- only needs one or two plays to make it happen. So I mean, it's, as, as as bad as you might think, a lot of receivers to start this, a lot of a lot of players in general start this game. Yeah, like I think that this is a sneaky offensive game. Um, I would say in dynasty leagues, if you have Tyler Lockett on your roster and you're not in your like middle of the pack, I would trade him because I think his value is inflated at the current moment. Um, basically, not get out while you can, but definitely try to push the button on the eject. Um. Moving to the Miami Dolphins traveling to the New York Jets. Teddy Bridgewater, Zach Wilson, not the quarterback matchup of the century, but I think Teddy B is going to be a good start. I could see him having a top 12 ceiling this week um, just because of that Jets secondary. Outside of Sauce Gardner is not too great. They do have another good corner. I forgot his name, but I believe the speed of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill can overpower the power of the sunshine. Um do you have a favorite Dolphin running back between Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds? Because I think we can agree. It's Brees Hall's world, and Michael Carter is going to live in it for as long as we can. I think we saw that transition last week. We've said it before. Because of – even with Bridgewater, because of how good this offense is, there's going to be opportunity for these running backs to score and get points. Your problem is you just have no idea who it's going to be. And for that reason, if you're in the tightest of pinches, you can start one of them in your flex. I wouldn't want to. But otherwise, I'm not starting any one of these guys until – Something solidifies that position for one or the other. If you're twisting my arm, I would say Raheem Mostert's the guy to start. Um, you're starting Tyreek Hill. You're starting Jalen Waddle. Which Jet receiver do you have the most confidence in, or is this just a no thanks? If you have one of them, you play him in your flex. If you have, I wouldn't say no other options. And this is the problem. Like they're Dolphins running backs. In this moment, from week to week, you can feel confident. That one of these Jets guys is gonna is gonna hit, but who once again, this moment, we just don't have any idea to know who that's gonna be. So, kind of like Tyler Lockett, you always want to have him in your lineup because you know that he's only gonna have six boom weeks, but you you yeah. want to have him when that happens. Kind of similar on a smaller scale with these Jets receivers is that they're gonna hurt you some of these weeks, but you're gonna hate it if you miss out on their boom week because it's gonna happen. Uh, Tyler Conklin, uh, I'm gonna steal a line from the fantasy footballers. Conk, conk, baby, start him. I think he's gonna get a couple targets. He just he doesn't die. Okay, he's 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 don't like worry. a staph infection. Once he gets in your blood, he just doesn't go away. Um, don't start Mike Jacecki. Um, by the way, the over under for this game is 46 in Miami. Are three point road favorites. Um, I do think Brees Hall still stays involved in the passing game. I Once again, I'm happy. This is the takeover, and we said this at the beginning of the year. Um, moving on to Atlanta traveling to Tampa Bay. I I feel like this game's going to go one of two ways. I feel like Tampa is either going to absolutely destroy the Falcons or the Falcons are going to sweep the leg on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right now, the over-under is 48 points, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Um 
it, what do you what do you do with this game? I think there's a lot of points to be had here, in all honesty. I mean, Brady, now that he's got his receivers back, we saw what he could do against Kansas City. This is what you've been waiting for. Start him without hesitation. Fournette, you're definitely going to start with the way the running back position is looking like right now. I can't get on board with any Atlanta running back at the moment. We haven't even, you and I have not spoken about Cordell Patterson being out. Uh, that's right. Until we get more clarity on this, I don't want to have to start one of them unless I'm in the worst-case scenario. But receivers-wise, anybody that's a big name, for the most part, you could probably start in this game. Yeah. Um, I, I do kind of think that Kyle Pitts is kind of reaching that point in my brain of if he doesn't do something in the next two weeks in redrafts, I'm absolutely panicking. And in Dynasty even, I will be – trying to field some offers. Wait, I know we, we've talked about him before, sure, sure. but I mean, like, I just, I got that, pro- that feeling. The problem I have in redraft is with his, with his ability, his talent. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to trade for? a different story, but I just don't know how you bench him unless you just have an absolute stud, which you're probably not going to have if you have him. So I don't know how you bench him in that context. Dynasty's different discussion. His biggest problem, as is everybody in this Atlanta offense, is they're just not passing enough. Mm-hmm. They don't pass the ball enough. The last two weeks, they've had 20 attempts and 19. I don't care who you are. If you're throwing the ball that few times, then it's just tough to get one guy you know, going week to week, let alone two, whether it's Pitts or Drake London right now. Real quick redraft trades. Would you trade Kyle Pitts for Tyler Higby straight up? No. I would. Would you trade Kyle Pitts for Pat Fryermuth straight up? I probably would. And <laughs> disagree with you again. Um, Ty- Kyle Pitts or Gerald Everett? Just to make it easy on you, I, 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 despite, I know it, I'm still holding out. Despite what's happened so far this year, Kyle Pitts would probably still be. He's always going to be ranked in the top four or five. He's Every behind week. Andrews. <laughs> he's behind Kelsey. Um, but he's going to be, you know, five or six for me. Uh, yeah, see, like, that's where I, I feel like this is also because in a previous episode, you've said that you're the patient person. And sometimes it pays out. Sometimes it burns you. I'm more of the push the big red eject button and just like punch it real hard. I think that's where I'm at with Kyle Pitts in redraft in dynasty. Unless someone gives you a King's ransom, you still don't trade him. And I know last episode I said the same thing, but I will just reiterate you shouldn't necessarily be sending offers, but you should be sending vibes that you are able to receive offers for. Well, here's the deal. I mean, you and I could talk about this. They may be listening. What I may do when this podcast is over, I kid you not, is I might go into Empire, and I'm probably going to send an offer of Gerald Everett for Kyle Pitts straight up. I think and you can maybe get there's it done. a chance for that to work out. I think that can happen because Taylor is fed up with the man. Um, oh, I, I might do it then. You should because I want to see it happen. Uh, pick, picking up some steam, moving into the Titans traveling to the Commanders. Um, right now, the Titans are two and a half point favorites. The over-under is 43 and a half. I don't think this game is complicated. I just don't think because, I mean, like you're going to start the obvious guys. Like You're starting Derrick Henry, and honestly, from this game, End of list of the obvious starts. You don't want yeah, to start Antonio we, Gibson. You can't we start. Talked about, we talked ahead. about it. Terry McCorn's start for me because that this secondary is so Terry, bad. Yes, I'll throw Terry McCorn. And Curtis Samuel's hard to get away from. I know this past week was not great, but the targets are so good. Mm-hmm. In PPR, you can't get away from them. Standard, you probably can. But other than that, there's just nothing obvious. I do want to ask you, when it comes to Brian Robinson, Yo. I know he's clear to practice now. Have they given any update on when he may actually return 
to so he has 21 days to officially practice before I think he has to go to the season ending IR. Um, I three weeks. Yeah, the next three weeks. I think he will practice probably sometime next week. Um, and then we'll just kind of see what happens after that. But I don't think this offensive line is going to do anyone favors. And I think this coaching staff isn't very creative when it comes to their playmakers. No. no. Um, which kind of hurts my heart because Antonio Gibson is a great playmaker, which I'll say it again. He's a buy low in Dynasty. Next year he could be somewhere different because he has a super low cap hit when if they outright cut him. So you should take pieces at that. Moving on to probably the slaughter of the week, San Francisco's traveling to Carolina. Um, you start Christian McCaffrey and you run from the Panthers. Um, for the 49ers, it's, you know, Jeff Wilson's a good start. Debo Samuel, who showed his playmaking ability, but still hurts my heart because, I mean, he had 100-plus yards after the catch, which is bad that's tackling. Who, that's who this guy is. I know. That's who he is. It just takes Jalen Ramsey wrapping up and taking him to the ground, and he misses 60 yards and a touchdown. Yep. God. Um, I will say that um, despite the fact that the face points still weren't where you want them to be, I was encouraged with DJ Moore this past week. It seemed Agreed. like they made an effort to say, hey, we're going to try and get you the ball. 11 targets, that's where it should be, be for DJ Moore. Now, Arizona, especially against number one wide receivers who they played last week, is mm-hmm. notoriously stingy. So not a great matchup. This, once again, is not a great matchup. To probably still start him as a flex, but there's still gonna be better games ahead for him. Over under 39, San Francisco are is six and a half point favorites. Um, George Kittle is concerning, but you still gotta start him. Like and he's another guy like Kyle Pitts that yeah, I, I want to see you not start him. <laughs> not, not you specifically, I mean anybody. If I didn't have him, listen, if I had him on a team, you'd see it because I don't have him on any team. <laughs> uh, moving on to the 4-0 Philadelphia Eagles traveling. To the Arizona Cardinals, the Battle of the Birds. Um, right now, the Philadelphia is five and a half point favorites. The over under is 49 points. Um, I think this is just going to be an offensive explosion for the Eagles. Um, Jalen Hurts, I think he's going to have a good game. Miles Sanders, I don't, he's not going to go off for no 160 yards or whatever and two touchdowns, but he's going to get probably 15 carries, like 70 at a minimum, which is happening. You cannot, you can't get away from him right now. There's no way you can. No, he's a stay in the flames guy. And we just talked about this with Arizona. Notoriously, they lock, they, they lock somebody up receiver wise. Mm -hmm. They did it to even that. Well, to his extent, Cooper cup a couple weeks ago, 60 something yards was locking up for him. Yeah, that's good. But, but the person they don't lock up goes down. So, One of these, I mean, you're going to start both Eagles receivers, obviously, but I'm just telling you that one of these guys is about to go nuclear. In this yeah, game. Devonta Smith is going to find himself in some DFS lineups for you, boy, over here. Angle front with you. Um, James Conner, do you try to get away from him? Because this is a nasty defensive front for the Eagles, and the Cardinals are probably going to be trailing. Um, I, you still got the stones to start him? or Because he's been garbage. Yeah. No, it hasn't been great. I mean, like so many others, I think if you're in a tough spot, you could Probably put him in your flex, but he's a guy that if you got better options, I would be trying to get away from him. Uh, for instance, I would consider Melvin Gordon a better option than James Conner, just to kind of let oh, yeah. put, throw that yeah. precedent out there. Sure. Um, oh, good question. Would you rather have James Robinson or James Conner? James Robinson. ETN uh, or Conner? Huh? ETN or Conner? Oh, ETN or Conner. Um, no, I said Robinson first, and I agree with you. But Etienne or Connor, that's where that's you. like a, um, it's Connor over Etienne right now because at least the usage is there. 
I would maybe start ETN. I'm just super down on Connor. I really am. Um, Marquise well, I'm Brown. I'm hopeful that once DeAndre Hopkins comes back, this offense will be in the red zone more often, and obviously that's where he's going to make it. He'll be a buy low candidate, um, and I would try to do that after week seven or like after week six, something like that. Um, Marquise Brown is probably going to get Darius Slay, but he's fast enough where he might have one right. game they, breaker. They don't exactly match up in the way that Slay would traditionally block mm-hmm. somebody up, so I think he could still get some points. I there. would anticipate bracket coverage over the top of that guy because he is just that fast. Uh, moving on to the 3-1, and one, Cooper Rush-led Dallas Cowboys traveling to the Los Angeles Rams. Right. Or should I say Can I start Trayvon Diggs <laughs> as a receiver? I will make it happen for you. Uh, who has a better game, Cooper Rush or Matt Stafford? Real question. Because Matt Stafford Stafford's has looked that bad, look, hasn't he? He's looked real bad. And Cooper Rush has looked at least like a steady Eddie. I, I've still got to give precedent to Stafford, so I, I'll go that direction. Eventually, the wheels have got to fall off this Cooper Rush wagon, do you think? <laughs> Eventually. You, you would say that, but, I mean, we've said that since day I one. I am the, and the, despite the playmakers we know in that Rams defense, they haven't Make been scaring anybody <laughs> recently. You've so seen Aaron I, Donald and Bobby that. Wagner every now and then, but, I mean, like that, that's yeah. about it. Uh, the over-under for this game is 42-and-a-half. The Rams are five-and-a-half-point favorites. This is a sneaky, like, upset alert of the week because I really think the Cowboys can go into the Rams' house <laughs> and toss around the Rams. I've been a lot um, of Cowboys fans there in Los Angeles for sure. Dayton's going to be one of them, so good luck to you. Um, who's your preferred running back from this game? Between Elliott, Akers. I mean, it's kind of nasty, but it's Zeke. And the problem is I think, I think one of the Rams – Running backs is going to have a good game. The Cowboys have actually not been great at rush defense. Problem is right now, as we've talked about with Miami and several others, Who's is be? you just don't know who it's going to be, and that's your problem here. If I had to take my absolute shot, I would say Daryl Henderson's probably the guy. Um, when it comes to the receiving options from this game, you're starting CeeLand, Land, you're starting Cooper Cup. Um, Allen Robinson, avoid him like the plague uh, right he's, now. Yeah, he's, uh, he's about to be shipped off to an exclusive island <laughs> at this rate. Yeah, he's about to be the next bachelor. Um, Noah Brown, um, he got cleared. He had a full practice today. Do you play him as like a flex guy? Because he's been Cooper Rush's guy throughout this uh, behind uh, CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, um, no, I, I think you can in a tough spot for flex. I mean, despite Jalen Ramsey being there, this past defense has been really bad for mm-hmm. the Rams. So somebody's going get to some, get some work here. Uh, moving, I'll take him over Gallup right now because Gallup's yeah. still working his way back in. So That was yeah. my follow-up. Thank you for reading my mind. Uh, yes, you still start Dalton Schultz, even though he goosed you. Yes, Tyler Higby is a smash start. Moving on to the Sunday night game. This one could be kind of fun. What a great game. I know. Hopefully, this is just a kiss of death, though. Baltimore is hosting the Cincinnati Bengals right now. The uh, over-under is 48 and a half. They're expecting points. I think this is the highest one of the week so far. Um, and Baltimore is currently three and a half point favorites, but they are the home team. So that's just like the, just the nod that you didn't have to travel. This is even otherwise. Um, this defense does not look good for the Ravens. Their secondary has looked bad. I will just call my shot now. Jamar Chase has like an eight reception, 150 yard, two touchdown game because he was pissed off last week. Yeah, and the only thing I wonder sense. here with regards to that, this is not going to change whether you start Jamar Chase or not. But the one thing the, Ra- the Ravens did do well last week is they, they, kept Stephon Diggs from beating them. He actually didn't have a great week. So I wonder if they take that same mantra into this game because they did hold the Bills 20 points to, hey, mm-hmm. we know we're going to get beat In by – a rain game. We know we're going to get beat by some guys. It's just not going to be Jamar Chase. So maybe they take that precedent. You're not going to sit him. I'm just no. curious to see how that plays Because out. I think here's my question for the, the Ravens secondary is, 
how do you intentionally slow down Jamar Chase and T Higgins not go off for seven a buck fifty? Well, that's the thing is, is that's what's going to happen. Yeah. you got to pick one. So I really think that this game is going to go back and forth. I just think that you're going to see Joe Burrow kind of pick apart the secondary. You're still starting Joe Mixon. Um, you can do better than Hayden Hurst, but he could be a desperation tight end, touchdown or bus guy. Mark Andrews, yes. Um, do you have a favorite Baltimore receiver, or is it just gross? Because I kind it's of feel like this is going to be the game from last year. Yeah, it's still Rashad Bateman. you got to believe there's going to be some big plays to be had in this game. He's a big play threat. I am slowly warming on Devin Duvernay because mm-hmm. it just won't go away. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't quite start him this week, but continue to monitor it because I keep thinking they're just they're going to dump him eventually, and they just they won't do it, and he keeps producing. Texas alum. There you go, Jan. See, there's oh, hope. He, he was, was so good. He, he was, was so good. good. Um, J.K. Dobbins, do you play him this week? I mean, I think yeah. I do. Yeah, I mean, it, last week was very encouraging. Not Obviously, the rush yards weren't there, but the usage was. I mean, he got over 15 touches. That's what you want. Yeah, and I agree with you. Um, this this game is going to be fun to watch. I think you, you could see 60 points scored in total. Like I said, though, I think that Cincinnati wins because I feel like it's the 2019 edition or the, the last year edition where, like, Baltimore just can't keep up with the scoring because there's not much on the outside. Um, and we're going to go from that super fun game to a game that – I think it's going to be more like meat and potatoes. Like it's going to be good, but it's not going to necessarily be like astounding for you. You have the Raiders traveling to Kansas city chiefs on Monday night. The over under is 51 and the chiefs are seven point favorites. Um, is there's like, once again, a particular, we'll say chiefs receiver. We start out before we run out of time. It's still Schuster at this point. It's not, you don't feel great about it, but. He's still getting the targets, so that's the way I'd go. CH, trade him while you can. Josh Jacobs, I think he's a decent start. Um, Devontae Adams, play him. Darren Waller, play him. We're out of time. I hate the platform we're on, but it's okay. We have a platform. Gents, thank you for joining me as always and poking fun. By the way, Miles Sanders, once again, number nine running back so far. That jersey's going to look good. You can find us on Twitter at Misfit underscore FF or through our email at the.misfit.ff.com. Gents, thanks for hopping on, dude. We'll oh, catch you guys on the flip side when Miles Sanders is the running back five on the week. <laughs> Who said that? Adios.